apologize in advance for being a little quiet. There's somebody close by, so I don't want to bother them. So I'm going to be talking a little quietly, and it might sound like I'm not that interested in the content, but I am. Um, this was my first civil procedure lecture, and what we did is we just had a big overview of an in, in introduction to civil procedure. I'll just go for my reading notes and then the lecture notes quickly. For our reading notes, we were asked to read rules one uh, and three, uh, which uh, rule one just states what the purpose of civil procedure is, and rule three, uh, which and rule three and just says a civil action commenced by filing a complaint with the court. So it's pretty simple. Uh, it just means so rule three is just saying you file a complaint, and that's how a civil action is started. We read the U.S. Constitution, Article 3, which talks about where you have subject matter jurisdiction in federal cases. That's important to know. Uh, then we read the United States Code, Title 28, uh, Statute 41, 44, and 133. So 44 establishes the number of geographical composition of circuit courts. So there's 13 circuits, uh, 1 through 11 circuit courts, the D.C. and the Federal Circuit. I was in the 8th. And then Statute 44 says how many circuit judges are to be appointed per circuit by the president. So a circuit has 11 circuit judges. And Statute 133 uh, says how many number of district judges are to be appointed by the presidency. And it also uh, denotes how many district courts are to be in each state. So Iowa has two district courts. Uh, a no northern and a southern district court. And no, again, these are all federal. It also talks about how to fill a vacancy in the, that statute. Uh, so our case book, um, yeah, the case book goes over once again the two American court systems. So you have a federal system and a state system and how they are parallel. As far as the state system goes, once again, we have a trial court, a higher appellate court, and many states have an intermediate appellate court as well, uh, which is typically between their trial court and their state supreme court. All complaints are filed by the plaintiff. Uh, in criminal, it's prosecutor, but in civil, it's plaintiff, who has the ability to make claims and then the defense prepares an answer. The court can take these facts and they go through the process called discovery. And they, in that process, determines which facts are relevant for the case. If nothing, if they're not settled or if it's not dismissed, then it goes to a trial court. And there may also be smaller, more specific courts that cover water, family law, etc. And that's important when we're going to talk about venue. Venue is an important term that will discuss briefly to give an overview. If it's not liked, if the answer from the trial court isn't liked, it can go to the federal, uh, to an appellate court. And if that's not liked, it can go to the Supreme Court. And if that's not liked, if it's a matter of federal statutes, then that can go to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, for the federal court system, we have trial courts, circuit courts, and the Supreme Court. As far as subject matter jurisdiction of state courts, um, 
So subject matter jurisdiction refers to the power of the court to hear disputes of a particular type. So that means, for example, in some cases, in some states, uh, they have divorce courts. And so the divorce court uh, has to hear cases that are related to divorce. Uh, divorce cases must be filed in the divorce court. And there are also lots of states that have broad state jurisdiction, meaning that they can hear pretty much any civil dispute. Uh, federal courts, however, are more narrow. And, they, and what the federal court can hear uh, deals exactly with what's said in the third article of the Constitution. It's also important to note that most cases that can be filed in a federal court can also be filed in a state court. But there are some reasons why someone might want to do a federal court versus a state court or vice versa. And that's convenience, familiarity with the court system, uh, different size of jury pools, uh, the speed of the case, um, whether having one judge assigned versus several judges assigned. Uh, attorneys have more control in different courts, and then the level of expertise of the court. I also want to note the difference between federal jurisdiction, so a federal question jurisdiction versus a diversity jurisdiction. So federal question jurisdiction is pretty much subject matter jurisdiction where you need to make sure the case relates to the Constitution or the laws. And then diversity jurisdiction relates to the cases where citizens of different states are the odds. Okay, as far as our lecture notes goes, we focus on three things. We focus on personal jurisdiction, we focus on subject matter jurisdiction, and we focused on venue. So personal jurisdiction refers to the court's power and authority to hear a case against a certain person or company. Subject matter jurisdiction uh, refers to the type of case that a court can hear, and venue is making sure that you find the right court or even the courthouse to file suit. So all three of these things uh, are important to know and important to get right when you file the lawsuit. So we should ask, does this go to a federal court, a state court, uh, what subject matter is this, etc. Let's talk a little bit about the difference between civil and criminal. So civil cases, well, so criminal cases are, is prosecuted by the government. It means that someone's committed a crime that is a violation of law, and it's serious enough to remove some of their freedoms. Civil cases are pretty much everything else. So every action that isn't criminal intends to be civil. So there's two types of remedies for civil law, um, and a remedy is something you want the court to do. First, you can ask for either monetary damages, or second, you can ask for injunctive relief. Injunctive relief means that you're seeking a court order to request that the defendant does something or does not do something. So they either stop doing their action, or you ask them to, for example, build a fence over a property property line. Okay, let's talk about complaints and answers. We went over this briefly in a book, but as far as the lecture goes, 
uh, this refers to Rule 3, all civil lawsuits begin with a complaint. And then a plaintiff files a complaint with their side of the story, and the defendant files an answer with their side of the story. Most answers, if not all answers, contain the dismissal notion, motion, and Rule 12 of Civil Procedure contains seven motions for dismissal. First, lack of subject matter jurisdiction, lack of personal jurisdiction, or lack of improper venue. Mentioned those three things briefly. Uh, four, five, six, seven, we didn't even talk about that during the class, but I'll read them here. It's insufficient process, insufficient service to, of process, failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted, or failure to join a party under Rule 19 of civil procedure. And so that's really what we focus on with the courts. We talked a little bit more about the federal courts, about circuit courts and split circuits. The split circuit is when one circuit decides something and a different circuit decides something else, and the Supreme Court decides not to hear those cases. In those instances, federal law is different in different jurisdictions. So Eighth Circuit can have different federal law than in the Tenth Circuit, and that's completely fine. Eventually, it could be resolved, but in the meantime, those are different laws. And that's the first course of civil procedure. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.